Open up your Bible to the book of Exodus, the first chapter, Exodus chapter number one. I want to welcome all the visitors in the house today. If you're visiting with us today for the first time, God bless you. Thank you for choosing High Place Church to be the place where you decided to come and worship today. Amen. We're glad to have you. Amen. And we pray that your heart and mind is ready to receive from God. Amen. I believe God has a word for somebody in this place. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Exodus chapter number one, beginning at verse number five, beginning at verse number five. I'm, I'm going to read verses in this chapter, and then I'm going to go to chapter number three, and I'm going to read about two verses in the third chapter. Amen. Hallelujah. When you have it, shout amen. We read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and the word of the Lord says it so. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Woo! Sounds like a prosperous church. Amen. Next verse. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land they were intimidated therefore they said therefore therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens and they built for pharaoh treasure cities pithom and ramses and this is where i really wanted to hang my nail but the more they afflicted them the more they multiplied and grew i want to say that one more time but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. I came to tell somebody that's going through right now, God's growing you. The more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. They couldn't stop it. Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 1. Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 1. Hallelujah. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. He is in the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Oreb. Next verse. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. Oh God, help me in here. What you're going through is not punishment. God is developing you. That's why you have not been consumed by it. 
So I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject, learning to love your development. Learning to love your development. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we give you praise, honor, and glory. Add blessing to your word now and minister to your people in a mighty way. And we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. When Jesus was on the cross purchasing our redemption through his suffering, the Bible says that God made a spectacle of Satan outwardly in the open, hallelujah, before all his principalities and powers. The Bible also allows us to know that it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. What that allows me and you to know is that when Jesus was suffering, yes, he was going through pain, but there was purpose in his pain. And so I want to submit to you in this place today that Jesus is our model. And as a child of God, there is purpose in my pain. In other words, if I go through any kind of suffering, and if I go through any kind of pain, that pain did not take God by surprise. So if I go through anything, it is by the permission of God. But I also understand that if it's by the permission of God, it has to contain the purpose of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It has to contain the purpose of God. The problem with us is that too often we focus all our attention on the pain and we do not understand nor perceive the purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so what many of us need and what I'm asking God to help me help you with today is to give you insight on the why. You know that prayer you pray often. Why? Are you hearing what I'm saying? In order to provoke faith in the midst of your challenge. Because if, if we can answer the why, hallelujah, I believe it'll stir you up to be confident, hallelujah, in your God. Somebody shout purpose. If you live ignorant to purpose, you'll go through pain unnecessarily because you do not know how to put a right perspective on your dark place. Because you don't know how to put a right perspective on your dark place. And you got to understand that God didn't save you just for you. So you need to perceive the investment that heaven is making or has made into your life. When God saved you, heaven made an investment into your life and into your years. Hallelujah. What you need to understand is that God often grows us in places of discomfort. Where there are no amenities and there are no conveniences. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you look at these people that we mentioned in the first chapter of the book of Exodus, watch this, they grew under persecution. They started with 70 and then the Bible says that they filled the land. The, 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 the Hebrew actually uses a word uh, that we get from the English which is swarmed. They actually swarmed the land. To swarm means that you are a congregation in motion. You are a large group that is moving. Uh, 
uh, kind of reminds me of High Place Church. Hallelujah. This, this promise of, watch this, fruitfulness uh, came, listen, way back. It, it was 400 years prior when God made a promise to a man named Abraham and said, your people are going to be in captivity for a while. But when they come out, they're going to come out with substance. They're going to come out with substance. And the thing I love about God is that God is so faithful and so integral that he'll keep his word even to a corpse. Because Abraham is no longer around. Abraham has died a long time ago. Hallelujah. But God said, I made that man a promise. And even though he's not around anymore, I'm still going to follow through because that's the kind of God that I am. If I said it, it has to come to pass. The Bible says that all of a sudden there was a new king that rose up that knew not Joseph. He didn't know Joseph and this was the type of king that didn't really care too much about the past. He's not necessarily interested in what the priors king, kings have done before his reign. He's not really interested in how the prior kings showed favor to Joseph and his people he he's not interested in any of that this man is bringing some new principles and some new rules and he worships some new gods and he rather than continuing to do what the prior kings did in showing these people favor he decided I'm not going to show them favor because uh, they're growing too much uh, their growth and their increase is actually intimidating the new king isn't that something and so he says let's deal with these people wisely lest they join our enemies hallelujah against us or leave us or grow mightier than we are and so he said let us thus deal wisely with them let's not show them any more favor uh put my first point up there very quickly if you don't mind hallelujah uh, the first thing I want you to understand today is simply this. God's favor isn't discontinued just because man's favor does not continue. Uh, you, what this guy didn't understand is that when he stopped showing favor to these people, that didn't mean that God was going to stop showing favor to these particular people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Watch this. The enemy said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to use oppression. We're going to use hard things. We're going, to, we're going to make these people deal with burdens beyond their strength in an attempt to zap them of their strength and lessen their increase. We got to put a stop to their growth. Hmm. I want to put an end to their desire to want to. I want to diminish their will so they no longer want to excel, no longer want to grow, no longer want to exceed, amen, or succeed. Pharaoh wanted to prevent them from emancipating themselves in an event of war. And so he says, watch this, I'm going to zap their strength to lessen their increase because a population always grows slower in the midst of oppression rather than in the midst of prosperity. He wanted to crush their spirit to remove any desire that they had to be free. Hallelujah. Never allow the opposition from the enemy steal your desire to come out. 
Never allow the opposition of the enemy to steal your want to. To come out, to break forth, to move forward, to advance, hallelujah, to succeed, to excel, to experience breakthrough. Some of us fail right here because we allow the oppression of the enemy and the burdens of life to crush us and steal our want to. And we just determine because of everything that we're going through, you know what, I just don't, I just don't want to, hallelujah. Do not allow that to happen in your life. Uh, these people, watch this, because of Joseph's merits. I ain't got time to get into what Joseph did. If, if any of you are familiar with this story, Joseph was responsible not only for preserving his people by bringing them to Egypt. He was uh, second in command of Egypt by the grace of God uh, and, and had favor with the king of Egypt. And the king of Egypt gave him a land called Goshen. It was one of the best parts of the land, Goshen, uh, meaning the place of assembly. And this is where they gathered even before their departure. If you're still with me in this place, shout glory. glory. The Egyptians embittered their life with hard labor by causing them to labor making bricks. Could you imagine that? Making bricks. But watch this, thinking that that hard labor was going to lessen their increase, it actually promoted, it actually promoted their increase. And the Bible says that the enemy was dismayed at the growth of the people and feared the people because their increase surpassed the expectations of their enemy. Isn't that powerful? Hallelujah. Because of that, you ought never to allow your enemy to crush your spirit, hallelujah, with the burdens or the troubles or the problems that he sends your way in life. Your job as a woman or a man of God, hallelujah, is to continue to exceed the expectation of the enemy who thought his plan was going to crush you, but you showed him, hallelujah, that not only did his plan not work, you increased and you grew in the process. Ah, hallelujah. The Bible allows us to know that they grew in proportion to their oppression. They grew in proportion to their oppression. The more they were afflicted, the more they grew. It didn't say the more they were afflicted, the more weaker and the more they quit or gave up or threw in the towel. It said the more they were afflicted, the more they grew. I came to tell somebody in this place, hallelujah, who's going through, God is growing you. God, help me in this place. I said God is growing you. Here's the thing that amazes me because your enemy, he does not give up that easily and you need to understand that. Amen. And so watch this. While he thought that the burdens that he would put on the people, the heavy burdens from these taskmasters to cause these people to work through hard things and hard times would have weakened them and it did not work. The next thing he tries to do is my next point. Hallelujah. Go ahead and put it on the screen very quickly. <clears throat> the enemy will try to kill your deliverance while it's still in the womb. Your enemy will try to kill your deliverance. What God's going to use to get you out. What God's going to use to break you forth. Hallelujah. He will try to kill while it is still in the womb. He will try to kill your baby before it's born. He will try to kill your dream, your vision before it manifests. 
he will try to kill it while it's still in the forming stage. Mm. If you know this story, hallelujah, like I do, Pharaoh did not give up that easily. So what he does, hallelujah, is he says, you know what we're going to do? Because here's what you got to understand about your enemy. Your enemy, I don't know how he does it. I have not figured it out yet. I haven't even seen it in the scripture. He has a way on how to discern greatness before it manifests. It's almost like he can smell it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I would dare say, hallelujah, that the enemy believes in you more than you do. Because he's caught a scent of something that's in you that you, hallelujah, probably not even aware of yet. And he began to sense that there was a deliverer or that deliverance was coming before it manifested. And said, I got to kill it before it manifests. Oh, God, help me in here. And oftentimes, hallelujah, God will, I mean, the enemy will attempt to kill what he's going to use to get you out while it's still in the womb, while it's still in the forming stage. So listen to what he does. He tells the midwives, and here, here's another thing that's important about that. They were not Egyptian. The midwives were Hebrew. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They were responsible to help women give birth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He tells the midwives, help them, hallelujah, in the process. And if you find that the child is a boy, kill him. Because he heard that the deliverer, hallelujah, was a man child. Are you following me here? And he said, I want you to kill the baby. Now, in those days, they didn't have the technology that we have today. They used what, what they referred to as a birth, a birth stool. A birth stool. And when I looked it up in the Hebrew, hallelujah, uh, uh, it, was also, it also made reference to the potter's wheel. There is a similarity between this birth stool and the potter's wheel. And, you know, uh, it, it was interesting to me because if you know anything about the potter, the potter forms the clay. Remember, I just told you that he tries to kill it while it's in the forming stage. And so watch this. I don't know how these women did it. I don't know what kind of technology they use. But somehow, someway, it, it seems to, 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 to tell us that somehow there was a turning of the child within the womb. And I don't know how, but they could tell by the turning of the child what, what gender the child was. And they did it so that they could kill the child, find out what the child is, kill the child right before it comes out. Kind of sounds like a system that exists today. Yeah, you're not saying nothing in here. And so Pharaoh ordered them to do this. Kill him while it's still in the forming stage. And the amazing thing about these women is that they didn't follow through. The Bible says, you got to read chapter 2. The Bible says they feared God. Because they feared God, they did not follow through on killing any of the male babies. They let them be born. And then when Pharaoh came, and they knew that that was risky. When Pharaoh came and inquired, they said, hey, it's not our fault. These Hebrew women are very lively. And before we could even get there, the babies were already born. This is what they said. And Pharaoh actually believed it. But here's the thing that really blessed me about it, hallelujah. 
because they follow, because they didn't follow through and do this evil thing, hallelujah, because of the fear of God, the Bible says that, watch this, God dealt with them. If Pharaoh couldn't deal with them because God dealt with them. And the Bible says that God gave them houses, gave the midwives property of their own, hallelujah, because they feared the Lord and did not partake in killing other people's babies or killing other people's dreams. Put my next point up there very quickly, hallelujah. There is a blessing of ownership that comes upon individuals who help birth dreams. I said there is a blessing. I can see it in this text very clearly that there is a blessing of ownership that comes upon those people, hallelujah, who are not in the business of killing other people's dreams, but are in the business of helping birth other people's dreams, hallelujah. I can't help but be reminded of the dreamer Joseph who's responsible for bringing these people here. The Bible says, hallelujah, that even while he was in prison, while he had a dream that looked like it wasn't remotely going to come to pass, hallelujah, he never got upset to the point where he couldn't help somebody else with their dream. And even while he's in prison and his dream is not coming to pass, he continues to use his gift to help somebody else with their dream. And every time he helped somebody else with their dream, what he could not see is that he would take a step closer to the palace. And every time he used his gift to help somebody else with their dream, he took another step closer to the palace. Hallelujah. And what you need to understand, hallelujah, is that when you're in the business of not killing other people's dreams, but helping fulfill other people's dreams, there is a blessing of ownership of land and property, hallelujah, that God will release to the person, hallelujah, who has that kind of attitude. I wonder if I got any in the room today. The thing that amazes me about this particular text, hallelujah, is that they weren't Egyptians, but they were, they were Hebrew, hallelujah. So the enemy is so cunning, he would love it, hallelujah, if he didn't even have to get his hands dirty and cause the people of God to kill each other's dreams. Through jealousy and envy and comparison, hallelujah. Rather than helping each other birth dreams, they, they kill each other's dreams. People with that kind of attitude would never come into ownership. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. And the thing that blesses me about this text is that while Pharaoh was urging forward their extermination, God was preparing their emancipation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pharaoh said... Pharaoh, Pharaoh didn't give up there either. Pharaoh said, take all the young males under two years old and throw them in the Nile. Kill them. Kill the babies. I have to make sure that this deliverer does not manifest. Hallelujah. But once again, what the enemy meant for evil. <laughs> God turned around for his good. God is so amazing, hallelujah. Pharaoh's trying to kill him, hallelujah. And God ultimately is going to put Moses in Pharaoh's house and grow him, train him, develop him right under the enemy's nose, hallelujah. God knows how to hide you. I said, God knows how to hide you, hallelujah. If God hides you, no devil in hell is going to be able to find you. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Now, to make a long story short, hallelujah, Moses is born. We don't know a lot about his father. There are a lot of scholars who, who like to try to 
guess perhaps who his dad was. We don't know a lot about his father, which probably has a lot to do with why the man goes through an identity crisis because identity comes through fatherhood. And so we know about his mother. The Bible says that his mother's name was Jochebed. When she had Moses, understand that that was not her first child. Because we read this loosely because uh, it doesn't mention Miriam and Aaron in this particular chapter. We automatically assume that that was her first child. That was not her first child. His sister Miriam was already born and his brother Aaron was already born. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Watch this. The Bible says that when she saw him, when she saw how beautiful he was, it says that in Exodus. If you look, hallelujah, uh, I believe it's in... John chapter 7 and also in Hebrews 11, it lets us know, hallelujah, that he was fair looking as well as a child. And so when his mother saw that he was beautiful, I don't think that it meant that he was just cute. I think she noticed that there was something about this child that was different. And when she noticed, hallelujah, that there was something special about this particular child, she started planning for his preservation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because when God gives you a dream, you have to preserve that dream. God, help me in here. I said you have to preserve that dream. You got to make provision for that dream. And the Bible says, watch this, when she could not hide the child anymore. Because listen, before the enemy had to whiff the child out because it was still in her. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But now that the child is out, he don't have to hallelujah whiff him out. He just has to spot him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so when the Bible says she couldn't, if she, when she couldn't hide him no more, can I help you in here? I think it's my next point. Put it up there very quickly. I'm trying to go fast, saints. If you keep the dream to yourself too long, it will be terminated. If you keep the dream to yourself too long, it will be terminated. There's a time, hallelujah, where you do have to hush about it. And you, you have to be careful, hallelujah, not to talk about it at all. Uh, because it's still in the forming stage, hallelujah. But there comes a place where after that dream is birthed, hallelujah, you can't continue to hide it and you can't hold it too long. If she holds the child too long, they find him and they terminate him. So watch this. After a while, hallelujah, to avoid the dream being terminated, you have to cast it. You have to cast it. You have to cast that dream. You have to cast that vision. Do you got one? I wonder if I'm talking to the right people. I came to talk to people of purpose today. Hallelujah. And she cast him, watch this, into the Nile. Remember, they, they were throwing babies in the Nile. She put her baby in the Nile, but she, she put him in an ark. And that, that, that ark is so symbolic. It's, it's a type of Noah's ark, which represents salvation. And it's a type of Jesus, who is the ark. Amen, hallelujah, who saves us all. Amen, somebody. She put him in that ark, and in that ark, he is preserved. Because whatever God calls, he protects. I said, whatever God calls, he protects. Hallelujah. Oh, you ought to be glad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of you think, hallelujah, that you were just fortunate or lucky because you escaped. Hallelujah. I wish I had some real people in here who escaped death. You thought you were lucky because you escaped. Hallelujah. You thought you were lucky and fortunate because the bullet didn't get you. You, you thought you were lucky and fortunate. Hallelujah. Because the knife didn't kill you or take you out. Hallelujah. You thought you were fortunate. Hallelujah. Because you passed out and you woke back up again. Hallelujah. Let me help you in here. You weren't fortunate. There's a call on your life. Hallelujah. There's a word over your life. Hallelujah. And whatever God calls, he protects. 
Yeah, so I got a word for you just in case you didn't know it. God kept you. There's a word over your life, hallelujah, that's keeping you. That word has the power to keep you from falling. Whatever God calls, he protects. If you're in this place, shout glory. Oh, God. For those of you who don't know this story, hallelujah, watch what she does. She, she puts him in the Nile. Some scholars say it was miraculous or supernatural. Some scholars say that she was strategic because of where she put him. The Bible is clear when you read chapter 2 that she put him in the Nile near the flags of Egypt. And near the flags of Egypt every day is where Pharaoh's daughter would bathe. Somebody who has power, somebody who has authority. And so some scholars say she was strategic. Some say it was supernatural. Either way, hallelujah, the child ended up in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. God, help me in this place. And another reason they believe it was strategic is because while the baby is floating, Miriam, they believe it's Miriam. It says the sister, but it was Miriam, was watching to see what will happen to the child. And when Pharaoh's daughter noticed the basket, she sent for it. When the basket came, she saw how beautiful the baby was and decided, I'm going to keep him. We're not going to destroy this baby. Watch this. Miriam runs up to her out of nowhere. <laughs> Miriam runs up to her and says, would you like me to fetch you a nurse, hallelujah, in order to wean the child for you? And when the child is weaned, give him back to you. And, and Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, please do fetch me a nurse. You know who she fetched? Jochebed, Moses' mother, and say, here, here's your nurse, hallelujah, and Pharaoh's daughter say, here's my baby, really her baby, watch this, and I'm going to pay you, you don't hear what I'm saying, and I'm going to pay you to take care of him, I'm going to pay you to take care of your baby, oh, if you don't hold your dream too long, and you cast it when you're supposed to cast it, God will bring it back to you with interest and fund your vision. Fund your dream. God, help me in here. God will pay for it. Whoa, God, have mercy in here. That brings new meaning to give and it shall be given back unto you. Press down, shaken together and running over shall men give to your bosom. Woo, God. Mm, your procrastination is going to result in determination of your dream. You holding it too long. I hear God telling somebody in this place, release it. And believe, hallelujah, that God is going to direct it to the right hands that are going to help you fund it. And don't make the mistake to assume that those hands are going to be godly hands. Because God will use ravens to feed you if he has to. That's not a clean bird, by the way. He'll use the unclean, hallelujah, to fund your assignment. Are you in this place? Oh, God. Mm. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Wow. To make a long story short, hallelujah, she wins the dream and gives it back. And Moses now ends up in the palace. 
in Pharaoh's house. And he's being, watch this, he's growing up Egyptian, trained and educated in the wisdom of Egypt. Isn't that something? Watch this. The wisdom of Egypt was employed by the wisdom of God to accomplish the kingdom of God. Never make the mistake to assume that secular education has to always be an enemy to divine intellect. Hmm. Because if you can ever line up your will with God's will, God will use your education as a powerful weaponry to get things done in the kingdom. If you look at men in the Bible who were educated, you will find that they were doing more. You look at somebody like the Apostle Paul, who was very educated. When you, when you find out what Paul did, he did more than any of the other apostles. He wrote more than a third of the New Testament by himself. Because God used, hallelujah, the fact that he was intelligent. Oh God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Apostle Paul became a, a, a polished arrow that God hid in his quiver. And so did Moses. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Hallelujah, Jesus. Watch this. To make a long story short, I'm trying to go fast. Uh, Moses discovers that he ain't Egyptian. He discovers that he's been living a lie. He discovered that I'm in this world, but I'm not from this world. Oh, God, have mercy. In the, are you following me? He, 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 was, he was a little bit confused at first, hallelujah, because he had been living a lie. But when he found out who he really was, he started to find out what his purpose and his assignment was. You can't know what you're supposed to do if you don't know who you are and you don't know whose you are. And so once, once he begins to discover who he is, watch this, he finds out what he's supposed to do by the things he didn't like. You see, a lot of us are always talking about, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my assignment is. You need to keep your eyes peeled. Watch this. Moses sees an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew, and he didn't like it. And so what he does, and remember at this stage, he's still in the training stage and he has flaws, hallelujah. But, but watch this, he's, even through that, he's beginning to learn or discover what his purpose is. He jumps in to defend the Israelite, fights with the Egyptian, ends up killing him and then buries him. <laughs> Hides the body, he said, let me get rid of the evidence. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so watch this, he begins to discover his purpose in what he sees that he does not like. And oftentimes, that's the method God will use to let you know what you're supposed to do. Oh, God, help me in here. If you're sitting there at the sound of my voice and you can sing, and when you sit there, you, you hear somebody who's up here singing out of tone, out of key, and it bothers you, God could be calling you not to talk about it, but to come join and help. Oh God, help me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. A lot of us, hallelujah, will see a thing because it's easy to point out problems. Can I help you in here? 
It's easy to point out problems. And if you look long enough, you'll find a problem. Hallelujah. If you hang out with somebody long enough, you're going to find something to talk about. Yes, you are. Hallelujah. The, 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 the real challenge is to become a solution to the problem. I tell my staff all the time, don't just come to the table with all the problems because most of the problems you're telling me about, I already know about. I don't need to, to be reminded about what the problems are. I need solutions to the problems. I need solutions. Hallelujah. Watch this. So seemingly he gets away with it, seemingly. So later he tries to break up a fight between two Hebrews. And now he's like, what, you're fighting against each other, really? He tries to break up a fight between two Hebrews and one of them raises up and says, get off me. He said, what you gonna do to me? You gonna kill me just like you killed that Egyptian? And, and listen, rather, rather than recognizing that there's a deliverer in the midst, they despise him. Kind of sounds like Jesus. Who came to his own and his own received them. Not the deliverer came. They didn't recognize him to be a deliverer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Moses knew at that point. Now watch this. Burying that Egyptian was prophetic. It was prophetic because that's exactly what was going to happen to all the Egyptians at the Red Sea. And God was going to use Moses to do it. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Ooh, God have mercy in here. So Moses knew at that point, Pharaoh's going to find out. And Pharaoh did find out. And because Pharaoh did find out, he had to flee. He had to leave. And the Bible says that he fled into the desert. He fled into the desert. Hallelujah. Now, here's what I know. He's still, even though he's in the desert, the Bible says he kind of moves on with his life. He gets married, hallelujah, to Jethro's daughter, amen, and uh, she had a name I can't really, okay, Zipporah, some of these Bible names, Whew. hallelujah, I would not call my child Zipporah. He married a woman named Zipporah, and she gave him two kids, she gave him two kids, amen, the first one's kid the first kid that he had allows me to know that he was still having feelings about being uh, banished from Egypt because he names the first kid Gershon Gershon which means banishment or to drive or thrust away so obviously hallelujah he's trying to move on but he's still thinking about how he was thrusted away banished hallelujah from his brethren watch this but then he has a second child and he names the second child Eliezer which means God is help now isn't that something I'm a little disappointed I'm feeling some kind of way because I got banished hallelujah but I recognized that God was my help and kept me from the sword of Pharaoh and if he kept me from the sword of Pharaoh it's for a reason so rather than getting down hallelujah about being moved away from his brothers and considering you know what that's it I guess it's over that's the end of that I can't help them he started getting excited and more passionate about his brethren who were in captivity which leads me to my next point a right perspective of your circumstances will fuel the passion for which you were born and steer you in the direction of your destiny. Now that's a lot. Let me read it one more time. 
A right perspective of your circumstances will fuel the passion for which you were born and steer you in the direction of your destiny. The problem with some of us is that we're not looking at our circumstances right. Even though what happened to you was not right, you still need to look at it right. Oh man, hallelujah. Are you blessed in here? Hallelujah. The oppression of the people continued. Moses is a grown man. Uh, the oppression continues. There's a new king. The old king dies. There's another king that comes to power. And he's just the same as the last one. Hallelujah. Still oppressing the people to the point where the people begin to cry out unto God and God hears them. Sometimes I wonder if they would have just cried out a little sooner. Some of us just wait too long to call on God. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? And so they cry out to God and God hears them. Here's the thing, hallelujah. While they were groaning in displeasure, God was grooming a deliverer. While they were groaning in displeasure, God was grooming a deliverer. God is grooming somebody in this place to be the tool he uses to aid someone else's groaning problem. Oh God, have mercy in here. In other words, sometimes while you are groaning, God is grooming. And I will take it a step further, individualize it and say sometimes even in the midst of your groaning, God is grooming you. Ooh, God can handle your groaning. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He has a plan. The Bible says that he appears to Moses in a burning bush. Could you imagine this? Moses is walking in the desert and this bush is on fire. But that's, that's, that's nothing that's out of this world in a desert because uh, bushes have been known to catch fire in a desert. That, that's not what intrigued him. He was going to walk by it. What intrigued him was that the bush was not consumed. Watch this, that the bush was not consumed. Most scholars agree that the bush was a picture of Israel. Just like that fig tree in the New Testament. Uh, wood in the Bible oftentimes is indicative of humanity. The bush is a picture of Israel. Watch this now. It's not just a bush, it's a thorn bush. It's a picture of Israel caught in the thicket. A picture of Israel trapped and cannot escape on their own strength. And then the fire, hallelujah, is a picture of the affliction that the people of Israel are going through, that God has permitted, but they're not being consumed because Jehovah is in the bush. God, help me in here. They're not being consumed because God is in it. And I want to submit to somebody in this place today, hallelujah, that you are not being consumed by the fiery trials that you are going through because God is in it. God is in it. And just like those three Hebrew boys, hallelujah, who went into the fiery furnace and did not burn, hallelujah, they did not burn because Jesus got in the fire, hallelujah. And the reason you have not been consumed is not because you're so good, it's not because you're so spiritual, it's because God is in it. God is in it. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus.
can I just submit to you very quickly? I got to go fast. That you weren't called because you were cute. You weren't called because you were good. You weren't called, hallelujah, because you accumulated enough points to impress God. Hallelujah. You were called, put my next point up there. You were called on account of a crisis. On account of a crisis. Ooh. In other words, God says this. When my people call on me, I raise up deliverers. When my people call on me, I raise up deliverers. You were called on account of a crisis that God wants you to become the solution to. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. My God, have mercy. And your procrastination is delaying their deliverance. Your procrastination is delaying their deliverance. Could you imagine that? The fact that I have not made up my mind to sell out for Jesus and do what he called me to do is costing not just me, but the people I'm called to, to help. I'm a solution to somebody's problem. That's why he called me. He called me on account of a crisis. If I'm called, it's because there's a crisis. God wants me to become a solution to. Oh. Hallelujah. Can I submit to you? Oh, I wish I had time. I'm Listen, Jesus, the Bible says about Jesus that immediately after his baptism, where, when the heavens open and, and God says, this is my son, first place the spirit of God leads him to is the desert. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God, help me in here. The Bible says that even Jesus, because he became a model for us and became a man, hallelujah, the Bible says he grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with man, and favor with God. And he learned obedience through the things he went through. Ooh. In other words, he was being prepared. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you blessed in here? First place he goes to is the wilderness. The Bible says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You'll find that in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. If you go all the way to verse 14, it says, But he came back in the power of the Spirit. Came back in the power of the Spirit post-desert. Post-desert place. Post-dry place. Because the dry place is the training ground. No desert, no power. See, we like the idea of reigning without training. God says no desert, no power. Are you in this place, church? Ooh, the Bible says in that verse 14, hallelujah, that after he came back in the power of the spirit, watch this, the fame of him. The fame of him went out. You see, because when you finish training, God could trust you with the platform. If you're in this place, shout glory. Ooh. In other words, God's design, God designs destiny around an unavoidable need for him. If your vision is really from God, you know it's from God because you can't get there by yourself. Not only can you not get there by yourself, even if you have a lot of people on board without God, you still can't get there. 
God, help me in here. It don't even matter how talented, how gifted you are. If you're a Joshua, you are not going to defeat the Amalekites, hallelujah, without receiving from the power that's emanating from the mountain. In other words, you need God's power to fulfill God's assignment. And it will not happen any other way because it's his assignment, his purpose, his destiny for your will. If you're still doing all right, shout glory. glory. Hallelujah. Watch this. I want to submit to somebody in here, if God has a purpose for you, God has a platform for you. I said, if God has a purpose for you, God has a platform for you. It's not a question. It's not a question of whether God has a purpose for you or not. God creates everyone with a purpose. The question really is, have you found your correct platform yet? How you arrive at that platform is important, hallelujah, because God has chosen a route for your purpose and your destination. Oh God, you don't decide it, you discover it. Are you blessed in here? The Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. Can I help you in here? God wants to promote you. I said, it, let's, let's just fix that real quickly for, for somebody who's in say, God just don't want to promote me. No, God wants to promote you. God wants to promote you. Uh, but you, you have to be ready for God's promotion when it comes. He prepares you for promotion. Are you in this place, church? God longs to make the invisible visible. That tangible thing that's on the inside of you. He wants to cause it to manifest, watch this, without having to explain it. Can I say something in here? This is going to mess somebody up. Uh, there are things about you that cannot be explained. Don't look at your spouse right now. <clears throat> Somebody's thinking, I know that's right. There, there are things about you that cannot be explained. Let me help you in here. It's all right. I said it's all right. It's all right because you have part of God living on the inside of you. And your God cannot be explained. So there are some things about you that cannot be explained. They have to be revealed. I said they have to be revealed. That's why God wants to take what's invisible in you, make it visible and tangible so that he don't have to explain it. Be careful with you having to waste all your breath, time, and exhaustion trying to explain your vision and your purpose to people who are not spiritual. They will drain you. God, help me. In this place, hallelujah. You can't explain it. It has to be revealed. That's why Jesus on one occasion calls his disciples to him. And he says to the, his disciples, who do men say that I am? And when he says, who do men say that I am? They revert to history. They revert to the past. Some say you're John the Baptist. Uh, some say you're Elijah, come back from the dead. Some say you're a prophet. And none of them could adequately explain who he is. It's not until the heavens break over Peter, a dysfunctional anger management needing guy, hallelujah, who God gave a revelation to. And Peter opens his mouth and says, thou art the Christ, 
the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him immediately and said, flesh and blood. Flesh and that didn't come. That didn't come through flesh and blood. That didn't come through the explanation of man that was revealed to you by my father. It's about time that people in the church stop walking, hallelujah, in the wisdom of man and start receiving divine intelligence from heaven. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. I'm getting there, saints. If you're blessed, shout glory. Woo. So where his purpose is, his platform will be there. Woo. Are you in this place? Show me my next point. Your platform is a place of heightened visibility. God entrusts to you or entrusts you with to display his purpose. Platforms are about visibility. Catch this, hallelujah. When God puts you on a platform, a platform is a heightened place that makes you more visible. Can God trust you with more visibility? Can I let more people see you and you still revere me as God and give me the glory when I raise you up? Oh, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Hallelujah. Watch this. I'm not putting you on that platform so you can have a nice house, so you can have a nice car, and so that you can have a, a, a nice career. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I like the way Jesus put it. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself hallelujah in other words when God puts you on a platform the reason he's raising you up is because your drawing power is increasing because your drawing power your ability hallelujah to magnetize your ability to influence and pull people to God hallelujah is increasing and that's why I'm putting you on a platform when I do it make sure you give me all the glory. I'm putting you on display, hallelujah, to reveal my purpose. My kingdom, not your little kingdom. Some of you aren't ready for that kind of platform. Because if he puts you on it, you mess it up. Mm. Are you blessed in here? Oh, God. You can't skip the training. Salvation enrolled you into training. That's why he saved you. Minute you got saved, training started. God, help me in this place. Hallelujah. But I like the way Paul put it. Paul said, these present sufferings cannot be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. These present sufferings cannot be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. If there's going to be a perpetual glory coming out of my life where I go from glory to glory to glory, that means there will be a cave. That means there will be a desert that God's going to use to coach me through it. We think that we just go from glory to glory, from good to better. But in between, watch this, every mountain, there's a valley. Oh, God, have mercy in here. And so you have to understand, hallelujah, that these light afflictions that are but for a moment are working for me a far more exceeding weight of glory. Affliction has weight, glory has weight. But the weight of glory is greater than the weight of affliction. So the greater the affliction, the greater the glory. That's
that's why the more they afflicted them, the more they grew, the more they increased, the more they multiplied. Are you blessed in here? Ooh. Can I say something powerful in here? There is greatness in you, but we fail because of poor management of what is in us. It's not that there is no greatness in you. The greatness is in you, but there's poor management from your part over that which is inside of you. And that's why we fail. Oh, God, have mercy in here. Can I submit to you that when God blew the breath of life into Adam, when he blew into that clay pot, he blew all his potential inside of him at that moment. And from the moment Adam opened his eyes, everything else was about stewardship. Everything else was about stewardship. Tend the garden, work this, work that, keep this. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God, name this, name that. Touch this, don't touch that. It was all maintenance. Greatness is in every one of us. We have this treasure inside of earthen vessels. But the maintenance over what's in us is what's hindering us. Oh, God, can I teach a little bit today? We might not shout, but this is good. Amen, somebody. You know, sometimes you got to get tired about, of, of running around the church and shouting over nothing. I don't mind shouting and I'll run with the best of them. Even with my bad leg. But I need to have something to run about. Something to shout about. Are you hearing something? When somebody asks me why are you shouting, I say, I'll tell you why. Are you blessed in here? Put my next point up there. I'm almost done saying that. Four more minutes. God will put you in a dark and dry place to train you how to properly handle what he put in you. He will put you in a dry and dark place to train you on how to properly handle what he put in you. He'll put a David in a cave called Adullam for training. He'll put a Moses in a desert, hallelujah, that's dry. For training, are you in this place? Hallelujah. I will submit to you that he will not give you more than you can handle. That is true in the positive as well as the negative. He won't give you, watch this, more trouble than you can handle. But let me say this too. He won't give you more blessing than you can handle. Because if he gave you too much glory, I told you a moment ago, glory has weight. If you can't stand to be blessed, the weight of glory will crush you. And a lot of us are asking God for more glory. We want more, but you're not doing good on the level of trouble you're experiencing right now. And God is saying, I can't give you more because with more blessing comes another level of trouble. And if you're not doing good on the level of trouble you're at right now, how can you ask me for more? It'll crush you. You can't handle more. That's why you don't have more. But if you expand your capacity... To deal with pain. If you expand your pain threshold, then I can give you more. We don't like that. We don't like that right there. But greatness is going to cost you. You want to be mediocre? If you want to be uh, content with normalcy, that might not cost you too much. But greatness comes with a price. 
Amen, somebody. Somebody in here saying, God, God won't give me more than I can handle. I can't take no more. Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. I can't take no more. I feel you. I feel you. But I feel like God is saying to you, hallelujah, good. I've been wearing you out from the beginning of this year till now to get you to come to the end of yourself so that I can step in. And now that you've reached that place where you can, I can. Oh God, have mercy in this place. Nah, it's part of the training, saints. It's part of the training. It's in the dark place where God builds leaders. I said it's in the dark place where God builds leader. Nothing comes into this world without first going through a dark place. Nothing manifests in this world without first going through a dark place. Every single one of you in here went through nine months of darkness before you came into this world. Nothing manifests, hallelujah, without having to go through darkness first. Are you in this place, church? The greatest things grow in the dark. Vegetation, hallelujah, begins the growth process in the dark, underground. Later it'll sprout, later it'll need light. But in the beginning, it grows in the dark. It grows in the dark before it manifests. Are you in this place, church? If you're blessed, shout glory. If you can't understand that, you will never understand faith. Everybody likes the idea of having the lights on so they can see where they're going. But the Bible says the just shall live by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. You're talking about I want to understand and God is saying I don't want you to lean on your own understanding. I want you to trust me even when you can't trace me. Oh God have mercy in this place. I'm going to take you through a place of darkness where there is no illumination, no understanding. Hallelujah. So that before you can find out what you're capable of, you find out what you're not capable of. Before you adequately walk in your strength, you learn how to handle the parts of you that are weak. And so what he'll do oftentimes, hallelujah, is either take you to a dark place or a dry place. The desert place is a little different because it's where God moves you away from traffic. I said it's where God moves you away from traffic and you have no access to anybody. It is a private place. It's where he has to pull you from the distractions of the things that are okay with other people. Because those things are not okay for you. Because I'm calling you to greatness. And greatness comes with a price. Oh, so what's okay for somebody else is not okay for you. But we don't want to pay that price. Can I have two more minutes? Two more minutes. Boot camp, you familiar with the term? Takes place away from family and friends. Away from family and friends. Away from the resources that were readily uh, exposed to you. Watch this, because there is a conditioning and a programming that needs to take place in you for the battles that lie ahead. Ooh, this is why he has to remove you from popular opinion has to move you from people 
and distractions and get you all by yourself. Because sometimes the problem with teaching is not getting you to learn something. It's getting you to part with something you've already been taught. That's the problem. And that's why I have to change your environment. Stay in that environment, you stay in that mindset. God, help me in here. And God has to reprogram you because there is hardware in you that has become your coping mechanism for everything that has happened to you in your life and everything that you have been through. And God has to get you, watch this, he has to get all that victimization out of you so you can reign. All of us come into the world, watch this, with potential. But we also come into the world with problems. Yeah, as soon as you come in, sometimes it's because of bloodline issues where the sins of the fathers are passed down to the sons. And sometimes it's not even what you did, it's what somebody else did that opened a door that caused what happened to you. And yes, there was abuse. And yes, there was molestation. And yes, there was was rape. And it wasn't right. But you need to see it right. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? If you're blessed, shout glory in this place. Oh, God, help me in here. I heard a man of God say this. Dysfunction is to a person what water is to a fish. They won't know what's normal until you pull them out of that environment. And sometimes you think your dysfunction is normal. But it is not. So the first thing God does is he switches your environment. By saying, I don't want you to continue living in the standards, in the standards of the environment that bred you. Wow. You will not be dictated by the pressure of what produced you. I got to pull you out of your comfort zone, Abraham, because you're going to be the father of many nations. So I got to come out of your kindred, come out of that environment. Because I have a greatness for you. God, help me in here. There are visibility changes going on in you, even right now. They are textbook lessons on how to handle a problem that's lodged, watch this, somewhere in your future. And God's training you for it now. Are you blessed in here? I believe it was the late Miles Monroe who said the cemetery is full of potential. The cemetery is full of potential. People who died with all their potential in them because they could not make up their mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Put my next point up there. I got to land this plane. We can't just lead by inspiration, but by intelligence also. Everybody wants to be inspired and there's nothing wrong with inspiration, but you could be so inspired, hallelujah. If you have no revelation, trouble will come and zap you of your inspiration, zap you of your passion and your excitement over what God is doing because trouble came and you don't have insight on why the trouble is coming. And so you lose your passion because the trouble and the trouble is actually working for you. God, help me in this place. And so we find people dead all over the place because nobody told them that the devil, that that the desert place or the dark place was part of the process. 
And nobody told them that they were supposed to handle it and not let it handle you. Are you blessed in here? Oh, God. And put my last point up there and I'll quit. Real worship is a dangerous thing. I said real worship is a dangerous thing. Amen? Listen, God, help me in this place. Some of you have said yes to God simply because it was part of the lyrics to a song. I said some of you have yet, you know, we sang, we sang, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Or we sing things like, I give myself away. Right? We sing it good too. Hands up, eyes closed. I give myself away so you can use me. Right? We sing it really good. Hallelujah. Withholding nothing. Withhold. Right? We sing it real good until God comes to hold you accountable for the words that came out of your mouth. God, help me in this place to find out if what you said is just a song or is it real worship? Is it your lifestyle? Is it the way you choose to live your life? Hallelujah. So God will come to hold you accountable for your words. Hallelujah. And when you really mean those words, it's a dangerous thing because the minute you say, I give myself away for real, God's going to say, okay, since you give yourself away, I want you to cut this person off. I want you to stop dating this one. Hallelujah. I need you to stop calling this joker right here after today. I don't want you to call him ever again. I want you to distance yourself from this person and that person. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, God, I'm I'm in. I mean, yes, with conditions. I mean, yes, with conditions. And God said, you don't want greatness. Because if your worship is yes with conditions, you can't have greatness. Because greatness costs, hallelujah. And if you want greatness, you got to let me take you through a dark place and a desert place, hallelujah. And I will get you there. But you have to be willing to go through the process, hallelujah. And you got to be willing to say, hallelujah, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. See, this is why real worship is dangerous. Because real worship is actually saying, I present my body as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto you oh God when you really worship you put yourself on the altar you say God whatever you gotta cut cut it whatever you gotta kill kill it whatever you gotta separate separate it hallelujah I just want you I trust you hallelujah if I can't have the money that I can make now hanging out with people who will compromise but I know I'm gonna win in the end I want you I want your plan I want your will I want your platform for my life because if you set up a platform for me ain't no devil ain't no man hallelujah gonna be able to knock me off that platform but if I try to climb up on one by myself it will be short-lived it's a dangerous thing real worship is a dangerous thing hallelujah Woo. you need to give your yes to God before you get a platform You need to give your yes to God in the desert place. You need to give your yes to God in the dark place. Hallelujah. Watch this. Because I gave my yes to God in the dark place and in the dry place. Hallelujah. Watch this. He knows I can give him a yes on the platform with the money, with the cameras, 
with the success, with the notoriety. Because watch this, hallelujah. God didn't find me when everybody was looking. God found me in the back streets of the desert all by myself with nothing, hallelujah, but a sling and a stone, hallelujah. But I said, I'll work it for you, God. I'll work what I got. And if you bless me, hallelujah, I'll give you the glory. I'll give you the glory. Hey, do I got anybody? Do I got a real worshiper in the house? Do I got somebody that'll say, hey, you have my yes right now. You have my yes right now. You have my yes right now. Stand to your feet. Let me just say this to you. I won't elaborate. I'll just give them to you. You pray about it. When Moses came out of the desert, out of training, when Jesus came out of the desert, the Bible says concerning Jesus, the fame of him. In other words, he became more and more visible as God raised him up because he was entrusted with greatness. Three things he came out of that desert with. Three things Moses came out of the desert with. Put them up there real quickly. Number one, extreme focus. That's what the process of the dark and dry place will do to you. It will give you a focus, hallelujah, you never knew you could have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Extreme focus. Number two, an elevated favor. You don't understand. It doesn't even matter if like the Egyptians, they decide they're not going to show you favor. God's favor is not discontinued because man's favor does not continue. Can I help you in here? Favor? It's not about money. I'm going to mess somebody up. I said favor is not about money. A lot of people think that when, when, when they're talking about favor, they're talking about money. Favor is not about money. Favor is about position. Favor is about visibility. When you have favor, God is giving you visibility. God is letting people see you because he can trust you. And that's why you have favor. And finally, enhanced fortitude. He came in the power of the Spirit. It's a supernatural fortitude. Because you said yes in the desert. Post-desert, you come out with power. And God can trust you with fame as it pertains to the scriptures. Are you blessed in here? Can we give the Lord a hand clap on today? Come on, if you were blessed, give him a real good one. Hallelujah. Come on, I worked real hard. I gave you a lot of information. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. I hope you were taking notes. Hallelujah. We got to go. But God's talking to this church. There's visibility changes taking place in this church. God, let me know through this word. I'm not making, I'm not just making you more visible. 
I'm making your church more visible. There's giftings, hallelujah. There's talent. There's anointing that is resting on this house, meaning the people of this house. God has been training you for visibility. God's about to put this church on display. Can you handle it? We need to be able to handle what God does through this house and make sure that we continue to give Him the glory no matter how high He raises us up. He's going to do it because we gave Him a yes in a little basement. Long time ago. Are you blessed in here, church? Can we give the Lord one more hand clap in here?